coming up next on the Wet Fly Swing podcast. It was pitch black. I had floodlights on the loader and had to plow half a mile of road to get into it. And, and then I spent 45 minutes trying to lasso this moose. And he was about uh, seven, eight feet down. Anyway, I did that for a while. And then I it was minus 30 Celsius. And I had coveralls on and I was, I was hot. And I was, you know, uh, it was a lot of excitement. It was fun. And uh, anyway, I had a heart attack. That was Skeed Brokowski taking us into the Northern Lights. A skein of steelhead connection, big bull trout, and still water today on The Swing. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. Hey, how are you doing today? Thanks for stopping by the show. Uh, before we get started here, if you get a chance, uh, if you've been enjoying this episode, one way to support us is to share out an episode. Maybe it's this one, or maybe it's one from the past that you've loved. Take a look in that back catalog. We've got over 400 episodes now with some of the best uh, guests and topics over the years, so we'd appreciate it. This is our chance to uh, help another angler out there. Just talk to somebody today, actually Dave Snyder, and uh, and he noted that he was looking for an episode uh, in North Carolina, which we're going to put together for him. And uh, and it's just a good opportunity um, to basically, you know, if you get a chance to share the episode, it helps an angler. And and for this example, uh, Dave is also a new angler, so we're helping him out, getting him an episode. And, uh, and it'll help us out at the same time. Thanks in advance if you had a chance to share the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Chota Outdoor, legendary comfort and equipment you can trust. Chota insists on the finest materials and craftsmanship. You can assure you have the highest standards of quality. You'll feel in control of the elements in your Chota gear. Every product is solidly backed with a no-nonsense warranty against defects. Head over to wetflyswing.com slash Chota right now. That's Chota, C-H-O-T-A, to support this podcast and the Chota Outdoor family right now. Today's episode is sponsored by Togan's Fly Shop, who provides superior quality products at an affordable price. An amazing resource for fly tying materials, tools, and fishing accessories. Since 2005, Togan's has been over-delivering on price, service, and passion. And now you can check out that Togan's buzz for yourself. Right now, you can head over to wetflyswing.com slash togens to get started. That's T-O-G-E-N-S. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Togens online. Skeed Brokowski is here today to take us into the Northern Lights Lodge and the wilderness of Northern Canada, actually Northern British Columbia. We discover what it takes to catch bull trout on the fly, uh, the relation of these big rainbows to Skeena Steelhead. There's a connection. These are essentially kind of like cousins. Uh, these fish are uh, were connected to Skeena Steelhead at, at a point in the past and now use uh, basically the lakes up in this area as their ocean. So it's pretty interesting to hear uh, some of the story there. And we also talk about these Stillwater areas, which we're going to be digging into more as we get going this year. We are working on uh, potentially putting together a cool trip um, and maybe a school up to this part of the, the woods as well. So I'm excited to share this one with you. Lots of good stuff. Skeed has the greatest name uh, out there, and he is the most interesting man in northern Canada. So without further ado, here we go. Skeed Burkowski from NLLodge.com. How you doing, Skeed? Uh, doing well, thank you. Good. 
It's a nice wintry day on the Great White North here. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm excited to dig into this. We we recently um, had uh, we did a podcast uh, with the with Derek Bird, who who noted we were kind of cruising around BC and talking about different places, and he he noted uh, some of the stuff you have going off up there. So I started with the name. You know, the name is so uh, such a cool name. I kind of you know, but then you also have the Voltrout up there. So we're going to talk about Voltrout today. Um, but yeah, how are things going? Is it pretty cool up uh, there this time of year? Uh, we're yeah, we're right around hovering right around uh, 15, 20 degrees Fahrenheit, mm-hmm. and uh, always lots to do around here. I uh, get out and I plow snow for neighbors, and, and then try to slip away, and I get a lot of free muffins and cookies <laughs> and stuff like that. So <laughs> perfect works well. What's the so the Northern Lights Lodge up there, maybe describe, um, just take us to where you are. So people that aren't familiar, you're up in uh, British Columbia, but um, you know, how, how far up are you? We're approximately 400 miles northeast of Vancouver, mm-hmm. Vancouver, BC. And um, uh, normally folks fly into Williams Lake, our, our guests fly to Williams Lake from all over the States. And uh, we we pick them up at Williams Lake, and it's uh, about a one-hour drive out to the lodge. And uh, our lodge is situated on Quinnell Lake, which is, uh, it's actually a wilderness lake. Uh, There are a few cabins up and down the lake, but very little road access. And the lake is uh, 72 miles to the end of the east arm and uh, about 55 miles to the end of the north arm. And it is the deepest freshwater fjord in the world. Wow. It's in excess of 2,200 feet deep. So it's a very unique place. The lake? The lake is 2,200 feet deep? Yes. And the elevation of the lake is 2,267. So it's quite likely below sea level on the east arm. Wow. Okay. So, and what are people coming up to the lodge? What are they, what are they coming up to fish for? Uh, they're uh, primarily uh, rainbow and, and bull trout. And bull trout is something that we, we like to focus on. Uh, uh, the Fish and Wildlife had done a lot of research on this lake. And, uh, and it, it was legislated as a wilderness lake oh, probably 40 years ago. So there's no new developments on the, on the lake. Uh, and... September, when we fished uh, different tributaries, uh, incoming and out, mm-hmm. outgoing, uh, outflows, and it, it's uh, it's big water, but it's uh, a very unique place. Blows my mind every fall when I get off it. I just yeah, just give me one yeah. more year here. <laughs> well, this is really interesting because I love. Um, it's already sounding really like this, even more than I was expecting on the place, but. Um, but so you have rainbows, you got bull trout, you got people coming in, flying into Williams Lake, and then they're driving. Are, are people able to, like, could the public get to this place, or is this something that's kind of hard for people to get to? It's uh, it's rather difficult. There's a, you know, there are a few uh, locals, but uh, it's a lot of equipment required. Um, like we need a, a cabin cruiser. To uh, we have two uh, that we will take uh, four anglers and two guides and head up uh, up the lake and then to different tributaries where we'll have a jet boat uh, sitting. We transfer to a jet boat and then go up 
different tributaries. Um, we have two large watersheds that we fish. Um, one is almost as large as the Quesnel. The lake is smaller, but the tributaries are much larger. And uh, we'll, like we'll, the one we had 22 miles up this uh, wilderness river in a jet, and it's just wow. incredible. Oh. Grizzlies and moose and wow, uh, yeah, it's wild. My best one day is nineteen different grizzlies. Jeez, are you guys getting? So, are you fishing the lake and the rivers up there? Uh, no, um, we get the odd person wants to do a day on 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 the lake, and we have one guy that uh, specializes in that. Uh, but it's uh, Mainly, we use the lake for transportation. Oh, I see. And uh, lake and, and cruisers. Yeah. And then transfer to jet boats. Gotcha. So the lake. But it's, uh, yeah, it's a very narrow lake. It's a, it's a fjord. It's glacial carved on a fault line. And uh, it's uh, September and we head up. We'll head up in the morning and come back and, you know, we come back to the lodge in the evening for dinner and the night. And, uh, it's it's rare to see another boat on you know like 50 60 miles of river wow or a lake of a lake and on that lake i'm just trying to clarify so on the lake so are there so fishing is just not this isn't like like the cam loops like big rainbows there in the lake and you could fish for them like they do down south oh yeah oh yeah no it's a, a unique strain of uh, of rainbow that uh, have been protected for a number of years um, there's a slot limit you know, we can't keep anything over 24 inch and, uh, they're, uh, they actually, some biologists say they're a landlocked steelhead because they have the same lifespan as a, as a, or life cycle as a steelhead. They don't spawn until they're seven to eight years old mm. and they live to be 12 to 14. My uncle used to catch them. Yep. Gotcha. What do you guys get for, uh, as far as the lake and when you're fishing the lake, do you guys, I mean, why, why don't you guys fish the lake more? Why, why are you fishing the rivers? Well, um, because fly fishing and it's a deep lake, uh, uh, summertime, the, uh, the rainbow will go down to about 80 feet, 70 feet. It is a cold lake. Um, but it's also, uh, we have a huge pop population of, uh, of lake trout as well in there, mm. as well as burmet, uh, burbot, mm -hmm. which is a freshwater ling. Uh, we have kokanee in there, and that's why the rainbow gets so large. Once they get off the bugs, or they get on, onto the kokanee, and uh, we have large, yeah, a large kokanee population in the lake. Yeah, and it makes for big trout. We have uh, my uncle used to catch rainbow over thirty pounds, so they're very large. So you can, so you can, so if you brought up say. We have, um, you know, Phil Roy, I'm not sure if you know Phil, but he's kind of the Stillwater guru, you know, our guy that we go to. Oh, I wonder sure if you brought somebody like that to your lake. Would, would Phil be able to catch some fish at your on your lake? Well, if you had a good guide like myself, yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, Phil is, uh, Phil is the lake guru. Yeah. And, uh, uh Curtis has spoken with uh, Phil a few times and, uh, and uh, that's our lead guide, our manager here. He, uh, they were hooking up. Oh, Roy. Yeah, I think Phil would have a great time here. 
That's cool. Right. Well, this is great because this is why this is I the podcasting is one of the reasons I love it so much is that you know, I went in thinking, wasn't even really thinking about the lake. I was thinking more about, yeah, the river fishing. But, I mean, there's a whole opportunity here, potentially, to do some lake fishing, you know, do some stuff for some cool species. But but let's keep it on. I want to take you back really quick because we, we got we got a lot going on here. But I, want, I don't want to miss how you got into this place because the Northern Lights Lodge, you know, first of all, that's another great name. I love that we were up in Alaska this summer and saw the saw the Northern Lights on a night. We were expecting to be raining all, you know, the whole trip. And we had a break in the weather one night and it just, Northern Lights were out, right? So it's, you know, that that's an amazing thing. How did you, take us back first, how did you get into fly fishing? And then talk about how the Northern Lights Lodge came to be. Well, uh, Northern Lights Lodge was, uh, was established in 1942. And it was built by five brothers from Vancouver. And they built this as a family retreat. Um, uh, they were building metal cabinetry for Liberty ships in Vancouver. And this was a four day drive from uh, Vancouver. And they built this as a family retreat because of the, uh, an expected uh, invasion by the Japanese who were just off, off the coast. This was right in the middle of the warriors. And so they built the place and then it eventually turned into a, uh, uh, recreation kind of an area, but still very, you know, it's, I, I still have an old brochure where it was something like seven bucks a night to go fishing, you know, and that's uh, meals, everything included. <laughs> wow. I think they even had a fly out for it too. So. Jeez. But, uh, we, uh, Sharon and I moved here to spend one year to the small town and, uh, and then I was going back to I was going back to college and uh, get into teaching or something like that to get a degree. And we came here to make the big bucks in logging, and there were you know which it was back then. And uh, what happened was uh, college is still on hold. That was fifty four years ago. So we're, <laughs> <laughs> but it's yeah, it's just been wonderful. So we, nice. we've. Done a lot of different things. I started out with a chainsaw falling trees, and and then uh, we ended up with our own logging company. And then uh, we uh, we had built a cedar mill, and then uh, we went gold mining for ten years uh, with the large equipment. They were just uh, my partner and myself, and our our wives and our two sons. And uh, we did that for 10 years, and that's basically how we bought the lodge. Yeah, the, and that was 27, almost 28 years ago now. But we just bought it as, a, as an investment. Wow. It's just such a beautiful piece of property, 2,200 feet of uh -huh. waterfront here. And, uh, and so when we purchased the place, we were, you know, we thought we'd just flip it in a few years or whatever and keep a piece of the lakefront and... But lo and behold, here we are. We had a uh, fellow from Colorado that uh, was a partner, and uh, with uh, uh, he introduced us to the blue quill angler, and uh, from Evergreen. And uh, oh, I yeah. know Pat's been on your show. But I I spoke with Pat just the other day, and he's probably been here 
uh, six to eight times with a group. He hosted uh, groups here, and s- same with Jim Cannon, the original. Owner. Oh wow! Yeah, so we're we're a pretty tight knit group for a lot of years there, and so I th- I think Pat's coming back again next year. He's quite booked up this year, but he'll put together a group for with us next year. So look forward to that. Man, this is cool. This is so cool because yeah, I mean obviously the Blue Cool Angler is a big. Uh, big shop they got a bunch going on but it, you i mean you have a destination obviously a location and do you get a lot of the groups like the hosted trip is it more of that or do you guys get more of the kind of uh, a few you know kind of couple people coming up we have uh we do uh jim mcclennan is another fellow that um with fly fusion and uh, he and linda have hosted a trip with us for i think they've done five consecutive years with us here with uh, bringing, you know, uh, 10 to 12 people for a trip. And uh, yeah, they I think they'll do a July or August this year as well. But uh, Jim, Jim's a great guy. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I'm excited to hear more. I know um, uh, Derek mentioned Jim and uh, we've got a good connection to BC. I'm just South of you down in the States. So I've been up there a number of times and it's, yeah, yeah. it's kind of like my, uh, it's like my brother from another mother sort of thing, right? You guys are just up North and you got such good water. So I'm, I'm excited to do more trips, you know, as, as we keep moving forward with the show. Um, but so this is good. Well, we got a lot of ways we can go here. You got this lodge going and, uh, you, you purchased it. It sounds like for an invest investment, but it turned around and now it's almost 30 years later, you've got this program going, which sounds amazing. What is, you know, when you think about the fishing, so when people come up, let's just take it to Pat. So Pat's coming up with a group. What are those people excited about? Like, what is what are they fired up to go hit? What's the what's the fishery they're really looking for? I think when they arrive, they can't believe how quiet things are here. Like, it's an end of the road town. So we uh, we we don't get the traffic through here. You know, we don't get the touristy thing. Uh, and when when we go out on the water, I I find that, uh, you know, I, t- I tell our, you know, our guides and we we talk, we have just the, the best in the world. <laughs> you know, these guys are so over the top. Everyone's laughing. Everyone's having just a fantastic time. But what they, uh, what we all notice, and I tell them, don't, you know, don't get on their backs. They're, uh, you know, if they're missing a, missing a, and no one does. Because when you're watching someone fish here, you notice they miss quite a few hits. And the reason is they're looking around. They can't believe where they are. Mm-hmm. And it, it's just, uh, it's, it's just so quiet. And it's, uh, right. you know, just look around and go, good job, God. <laughs> yeah. Good job, God. That's, that's a good way to put it. So, so you guys are, what, what does that look like when you look around there? What is the, the scenery? If they're sitting there fishing for bull trout, what are you seeing? Is other, I mean, is it more than just a forest? You know, it's, uh, this area is a interior rainforest and, uh, all the years, you know, with the fires and everything, you know, you look on the news and BC's burning up. Well, our, our little community was not even put on notice when this is going on. It's a cedar hemlock forest. 
And when it's, as you're driving through the province or whatever, and we have our semi-arid places and everything is dry, as soon as you get into this zone, everything is green. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. We get, we get the odd shower and whatever, but things, uh, it sustains life here. There's, uh, with the, uh, the amount of water that's in these two watersheds, you know, and there are, I don't know how many, how many million square miles or uh, uh, acres they are, but they're, they're huge. It goes right into Wells Gray Park and mm. into the Bowern Park. You know, everything is connected right to the Rockies. And oh, right. Yeah. So you're in the upper, upper part of the Rockies, like way north Rockies. Gotcha. Gotcha. And it's wild country. I mean. Yeah. You got it all. And in the fishing. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit as far as, you know, I was kind of thinking of bull trout here. I mean, we, we obviously you've got other species, but if we were thinking bull trout or maybe just doing this trip, we're going to come up, I'm, I'm guessing sometime after that freeze thaws out down there. When, when does the season start? When's your first uh, guest coming out there? You mean for, uh, for bulls? Yeah. Well, for actually for anything, bulls, rainbows, what, yeah. Who, what are your first guests? Yeah. When oh, do you okay. guys open uh, up the, the season? Are you open throughout the whole winter? Uh, no, no. We'll, uh, we open up, um, uh, mid May with still water. And we have probably around 40 uh, stillwater lakes, you know, small uh, fly fishing lakes uh, within about a 20-mile radius of the lodge. And uh, quite a few of these are stocked with, uh, like, uh, with our horsefly strain, which are the most aggressive. Um, and we'll, some of these lakes will go in and... Uh, the rainbow, are, you can hook up with a rainbow 30 inch, you know, 30 plus. Wow. Uh, we had uh, Brendan Morrison from Real West Coast was up last uh, June, and they yep. did two episodes on us, and um, it just blew his mind. <laughs> you know, the size of these fish, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, we had four anglers, and uh, must have been around 100 rainbow that were over 20 inch. Wow. You know, between the four anglers. Yeah. It's, it gets crazy. You get into the water boatman hatch and, uh, and then, uh, said traveling sedge and, but this was all on dries. And we, I think we had him on four different lakes and we even, um, had one lake where we go after it's in the wilderness. It's, uh, about an hour's drive from the lodge. And, uh, Strictly Lakers in there, and we went after them with coronamids in about six feet of water. And uh, it's, you know, they're not huge, but uh, 24, 28 inch. And uh, to catch Lakers on a fly rod or something else, so ah, it's pretty cool. This is great. Yeah, lake trout would be fun. And and so you start in mid mid-May. And are people typically when they come up there, are your are your guests coming up and fishing some of those? They're doing a little bit of the still water and the rivers or talk about that. How do what's the somebody comes up for a week, you know, six days, say, what what's that week look like when they get in? They come in on like a Saturday and, and stay for the week? We're still water only until uh, uh late June. And uh because of water levels, um, you know, we're spring runoff just going you know, 
just water's receding and uh, it's given us more real estate. And then we go, uh, we turn to the jet boats for transportation and uh, we jet boat and drift. Um, but we'll do a couple of the rivers around here uh, that are uh, within half an hour of the lodge, you know, from five minutes to half an hour, whether uh, drifting or jet boating. Uh, but uh, we'll get into some uh, some bulls in the summer. Uh, you know, if you're targeting bulls, we know where the holes are, where they're holding up until our salmon come through, uh, which is late August. Uh, we start getting uh, sockeye and king run. Oh, wow. Yeah, and they... Uh, and then we fish uh, egg patterns and streamers, uh, you know, be, behind the, the spawning uh, salmon. And we'll we'll do four different rivers. This is cool. So you have salmon too. This is, this is amazing. What's the town? What's the, what it's, uh, I guess we could kind of look up. I'm just kind of getting my perspective because I didn't even, I wasn't thinking about salmon, like where, where they're coming from. So where are we at? Give us the geography. What's the town, like the nearest town? Uh, the nearest town uh, to us is Williams Lake. Is that what you're referring to? Yeah. So Williamstown is the town. There's not any other closer towns than Williams Lake. Uh, no, uh, we have our little community of likely, which is, uh, 250 people roughly. Oh yeah. Likely. That's right. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, that's spread over about six miles. <laughs> so, uh, a lot of waterfront homes, that type thing. Gotcha. So you're on the quest now, like you mentioned. So the quest now goes into which flows. I'm just trying to get my beat. So where are the where are those salmon? How are the salmon getting up? Where are they coming from? Like what's the where are they flowing into the ocean? Uh, the Cornell River uh, drains Cornell Lake, and uh, I think it's about 55 or 60 miles to the city of Cornell, which is like 25,000 people. Oh. Um, and that's where it hits the Fraser River, which goes down to Vancouver. Wow. And that's where our salmon come up that run. Yeah, 550 miles Damn. to some of these uh, tributaries on, on the Quinell Lake. That's how far they've come. This is amazing. Absolutely amazing. You're in the Fraser. I didn't even realize you guys were in the Fraser system. Long way to go for a date. That's right. But that's cool. I mean, that's that's the, the – I mean, you guys are – so you've got salmon in the mix too. You've got the lakes. You got the bull trout. I mean, it sounds like you have everything out there. What are we missing? I think with the uh, uh, with the salmon, we don't target the salmon for fishing, and they're not open for uh, for a fishery. But what they are is they're the attractor pattern, and when they come through the system, they pull the big bull and uh, bull trout uh, up the different tributaries, and they just gorge themselves on the eggs, and it's so so fun to watch when you first, you know, when f salmon first come up. They're staging for a couple of weeks, and uh, the rainbow are there, and you're catching rainbow. And they're, you know, they have a nice length to them, but they're they look like a lake fish. And you give them two weeks, and you're catching these fish with pot bellies on them. They're they're just gorging themselves. It's it's quite incredible. Today's episode is sponsored by Zag.Fish, who was founded with the idea of finding ethical solutions to fly tying products and services. They've done just that by creating jobs for marginalized people, both in the U.S. and abroad. 
They've got uh, everything covered. We've had a recent episode on with uh, John Grosta, who talked about uh, some of the great products they have with the, the fishing he does in Florida. Uh, with the Fairflies brushes, they've got the 5D brushes and their uh, fly fur, which is pretty amazing. Tons of people are loving this stuff for its durability and the speed that allows you to tie flies. John talked about that on the podcast, uh, and he said that just uh, basically it's going to add on at least 15 to 20 minutes to uh, each fly you tie if you're not using these brushes. Zag also has uh, Wasatch custom angling tools in their satchel with over 50 uh, custom heirloom tools that go along with your materials. So they are a true do-it-yourself company, and you got to check out zag.fish right now. If you want to, you can head over to wetflyswing.com zag, and you can get 20% off your first order by clicking through that link. And uh, let them know you heard uh, of them through this podcast, and you'll get that 20% discount right now. That's wetflyswing.com zag, Z-A-G. Okay, back to the show. Well, let's just dig into a little bit on the bull trout because I think that is one species we could talk about the other fish as well. But let's focus on the bull trout for a little bit here. And if we take it into the river, so it sounds like, talk about that. So when does the bull trout remind us again when that gets started up there? I think prime prime for bull trout would be all of uh, September into mid-October. They're a little more stubborn near the end of the month, uh, end of September. Uh, they're going into their spawning stage. But uh, if you put it on their nose, they're, and, and you're watching the whole take, you're watching these, uh, these monster <laughs> fish. <clears throat> uh, my best, I had two guys from Colorado uh, a number of years ago, probably a dozen years ago, and we're five minutes from the lodge and I anchored uh, I anchored the jet boat and and catch a nice rainbow 16 plus and then uh, uh, I'm watching this what I'm thinking is the Chinook and it's ramming these other Chinook and I know I looked at the fins and it's it's a bully mm. and so we bugged it enough got it and uh Took 45 minutes to get it in, and that was on a six weight, zero X tippet, six weight, and I managed to get into a big back eddy, and I just I just rode around for 45 minutes. We kept up to him. And anyway, he measured out at 42 inches. So that would have been about, I'm thinking, 25, 28 pounds. And this is a bull trout? That was a bully, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah, no, it was it was a brute that absolutely my best. I have others that uh we have a, a Tate that he's a he's our bull trout guy as well, and uh, he has one that he he caught a couple times last year and call him Scarface. And this guy has he does have scars, and I think he was I think he was about thirty eight. Wow, thirty eight inch. Wow, this is nuts. So, and what is so bull trout? I mean, yeah, they get big. So, what is the average? Let's just say somebody's up there for a week. You know, there's probably some small ones, some bigger ones. What, what's the average that, that you're going to get into? Oh, probably be 24 plus, you know, 24 inch plus. Yeah, right, right, right on. On bulls, yeah. On bulls. So what does that look like when you go? So you're talking about September, October, when you get in there. Take us to that. So you got the sleds going up the rivers. You drop in on one of the rivers, and then you just, like, do some hiking up to the near the confluence and 
start fishing? Uh, we'll actually uh, go up as far as we can and, uh, you know, up the different rivers. And, and then when we, we come down the river, uh, we're just basically walking the, uh, the sleds down and uh, we'll have uh, two guides and four anglers. And we just, we just uh, stay, I, I shouldn't say close, but we stay fairly close, you know, within a hundred yards of each other mm -hmm. or uh, of, of the whole group. And uh, that way they're like, there's so much water to fish and it's such and it's fresh water, but we, we like to keep people close. Uh, a lot of grizzly there. They're never had an issue with them. They're they're not like um, well, like some places in Alaska where you see a lot of bears and whatever. But they're uh, they're they're used to people in Alaska. They're not used to people here, so they're they're quite shy. So they'll grab it. They'll grab the fish, and they'll also nocturnal if. Uh, if you know we're we're on the water they'll just pull back and then feed at night gotcha and on the fishing so are you fishing like are you fishing out of the boat or on the bank or both are you swinging the flies we're all uh, uh weight fishing the whole time if we have someone with that that has uh you know medical issues or uh just not able to get around like the used to and i'm familiar with that now mm -hmm. <laughs> yep uh we'll we'll uh, we'll fish them out of a boat you know and uh but uh 95 of the folks are are out there but uh the guys that fish out of the boat they really appreciate the opportunity to be able to still go fishing and and that's very cool and we have our guides are really looking after those folks and we're we're I'm thinking we're probably around a ninety percent repeat clientele. Our longest are uh, family from uh, Scottsdale, and with the exception of twenty twenty, which is a year I'm not counting either. Uh, this would have been <laughs> twenty three consecutive years that they've been to the lodge. And out of those, uh, they've probably been here 35 times. Like they've had double trips many years. So that's pretty cool. That is cool. So you're up there with these bull trout. Some of them can get up to, like you said, up to 40 inches. What, when you're out there, talk about the fishing. So you got one guy with two guys. Are they swinging flies like big streamers? What, what's, what's that look like? Uh, with the bulls, uh, well, September were, uh, Usually swinging uh, eight pat egg patterns, and uh, and streamers, you know, and, and the bulls will go, will take an egg off the bat, but a, a a nice streamer because they're they're very aggressive in the water. Like often, um, you'll because you you get white fish on you know feeding on uh, on eggs as well that come up into the system to do that, and uh, a lot of times you'll uh, you know nail a you know, a 12 inch white fish or mm -hmm. even 16, 18 inch rainbow. Oh, wow. And there'll be uh, a couple bulls come out from under a log and just nail that thing. You know, they're, wow. they're very aggressive. Yeah. So you're watching this action and, and they, they'll hang on until uh, they get close enough, mm. you know, and then they'll, 
they'll let go. But that's right, because they're aggressive predators, basically the bull trout. And oh, they are. Yeah, they don't understand the catch and release concept. Right. Gosh. So you got so September. So you got the eggs. You got the salmon in. So the it sounds like the bull trout are eating eggs as well, but they're also predators, so they're eating fish. Is there a time of year that you would go where? you know, you would just be swinging like fish, you know, kind of streamers and, and you wouldn't have as much of the eggs or is there a better time to get the streamer stuff on or is it all good? Oh, uh, mid July, mid July and August, uh, for the bullies. Yeah. On, uh, we have, uh, especially in, in, a we have one glacier river that, uh, a little tough access, but, uh, we'll, uh, we run a, a, a drift boat down there, and we we just do the one. It's about a oh, be about an eight mile drift, eight nine mile drift. Oh man, that sounds great. What's the um, just curious because I always love. We did a boat season in here. What, what's the drift boat you have there? What, what's the brand? Oh, I have a Hyde, have an Air, uh, and a Clacker Craft. Oh yeah, you got it all. Cool. Cool. So you got the, you got some cool boats there. And so what you're saying is July, you know, earlier before the salmon get there, it sounds like maybe is the time to, if you wanted to just get streamers, but once salmon get there and all the eggs, are the bull trout actually eating lots of eggs as well? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're right into that. Yeah. They're eating eggs. So they're, so what do you, if somebody wanted to come up and just said that they really want to catch a, you know, a bull trout, a big bull trout on the swing does it matter? Is that again going back to September? Is there a specific time you'd say would be better or worse? I would say uh, if that if that's uh, their target fish, um, uh, I would yeah September for sure. September, you know, pretty much all of September. All yeah. September, okay. And the weather then is pretty awesome, right? Yeah, because you're and oh, I yeah oh and October and October in October <laughs> yeah. until until the snow comes <laughs> right until it gets starts getting where you can't fish because of the snow. Yeah. Like even now, there's a place that uh, <laughs> that we have here that uh, you know the guides go down and uh, Curtis and Tate and they were hitting it uh, last winter pretty you know almost every day and uh, catching these these monster <laughs> bullies. I can send you some pictures. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should. Let's if you can. Yeah, send me those photos. I'll put them in the show notes for this episode so people can take a look. Um, and get a look at something, especially that one. If you have one of those large bull trout, I don't know if you have that 42 incher, but anything large, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. I've, uh, have some of Tate's there that are, and they're, uh, you know, you're sliding a boat down the snow to, for the launch. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then the takeout is a little rough, but anyway, the boys are doing that. They're young enough. Gotcha. What is... How big are these on the rivers? It sounds like you have lots of different rivers. Are, are there lots of really small stuff, big rivers? What's like on average, like what size of rivers are you fishing here? Um, mostly, mostly, you know, fairly big water. Uh, we have some uh, streams that would go, I don't know, maybe the smaller ones would be uh, 75 feet wide, 100 feet wide. Oh, well, yeah. And then, so you got uh, some big... You have some bigger rivers too. Oh yeah, and our bigger ones are a hundred hundred yards wide, and then they split off, you know, with some back channels, that kind of thing. But it's uh, it's all cold water. We don't uh, uh, 
we don't have an issue with uh, with temperatures on our on our bigger water. You know, the outflow of Quinell Lake, mm. uh, and there's a couple on the inflow that are are glacial as well. Oh, right. So they're nice and cool. And we've hit those uh, after a big run. I'm like I'm hoping to get up there this year uh, or in, in 23 uh, because we we had a very large uh, sockeye run. We I think it was like 800,000 that came into the system and uh, up the different tributaries and there were just there were so many sockeye that were spawning that uh, they kind of displaced the rainbow and this is the dominant year this uh, 22 was but uh, a year following this there's if we don't get a big flush in the spring with a runoff like if it's a just a normal steady one we don't get 80 degree weather in may where it's a big flush uh, the rainbow will will stay in. I've had uh, the best dry fly fishing I have ever experienced on a, on a couple of these rivers in uh, late July, all of August until the salmon come up. And you're swinging big flies like uh, uh, number two, four, mm-hmm. uh, stone fly, that type of thing, and or Chernobyl's. Yeah. And uh, zero X tip it with a dry. And uh, it's not often you, you get away with that kind of stuff, but they're not leader shy. They're, they're just hungry fish and great shape. But uh, we get them, yeah, over 30 inches on, on a dry. Gotcha. Okay. So you got that going too with the dry fly action. Um, so and you have some big rivers. Are guys fishing up there? Are they using kind of like swing with spay rods, longer stuff? Or what's what's your rod? What's your gear setup look like for bull trout? Uh, we get uh, we get a number of guys that uh, on a couple of the rivers uh, where a spay is you know it's, it's kind of good you know to be able to get to the other side sometimes, but I. I tell everyone that let's get these guys that are about two feet offshore on this side first, you know, and we'll, then we'll pay attention to the other side. But, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of, uh, we have, uh, some great spay rod. Uh, Curtis is a, mm. is a spay guy mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. very good at it. Great tutor as well. So nice. Nice. So you have some opportunity. It sounds like, it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity you've got. Oh yeah. You got the spay. You got the, I mean, what's your rod typically for, I think you said is like nine foot six weight. Is that what you'd recommend just for your normal trout or rod for these bull trout? Yeah, I, I think especially uh, September, you know, let's go to a six, six, two and eight. And uh, like July, August, uh, there's there's more water. We You know, there's more of a flow. So uh, you can get away with the five because there's more real estate to be able to handle these, uh, the fish in, and you're not worried about them wrapping, you know, on a, on a log or, or rocks or whatever. It's, uh, a little more control with the, with the water. Gotcha. All right. So, so six, seven, eight weights, somewhere in there, just a good, uh, a good rod. And then what is the, and are, are you out there? You, it sounds like you've got your team of guides. Have you, do you still get out there and have you been doing some guiding over the years or talk about that? Um, you know, what you've been doing there yourself personally. Oh yeah. For years. Yeah. I, uh, I was doing the jet boat runs and, uh, you know, when, uh, split off, we'd have two going at the same time 
And then uh, I love drifting. I love drifting this, our big river here. And uh, I had a little bit of an adventure a year ago. Um, I had a neighbor called me that uh, a moose had fallen through as well. So I took my big loader up to get this, uh, you know, help him get this moose out. He's 92. Mm. And uh, so I went up and it was pitch black. I have floodlights on the loader and had to plow half a mile of road to get into it. And and then I spent 45 minutes trying to lasso this moose. And uh, he'd, uh, he'd do a circle in the well. And when he'd come around, I think four or five times he tried to get me at this front hooves and I just back off behind my, the bucket of my loader. And I was trying to get him ticked off enough at me that uh, maybe he could hook a hind leg and, you know, get himself out. But he was about uh, seven, eight feet down. And uh, anyway, I did that for a while. And then I, it was minus 30 Celsius Jeez. and I had coveralls on and I was, I was hot and I was, you know, uh, it was a lot of excitement. It was fun. And, uh, anyway, I had a heart attack. Oh, whoa. And yeah, so they, uh, I, I got myself home and, uh, they wanted to take me to the paramedics, but I wanted to uh, see Sharon just in case it was checkout time. And, uh, anyway, I made it ambulance to Williams Lake. And then next morning, I almost checked out in Williams Lake, and next morning uh, they flew me to Kelowna, BC, where they had uh, you know a very good cardio ward, and uh, they threw me on the table there and put a stent in, and there you go. I'm doing well again. Yeah, so. <laughs> I've heard. I've actually heard, and I'm not yeah. sure, um, you know, whether it's to do with some of the you know the COVID or whatever. But I, you hear, I've had a number of people that have had heart attacks, and not not just older people. We had a guy, Joe Jackson, who told a story. He's um, he's like probably in his thirties, I think, and he just had had a heart attack, and uh, and so yeah, it's it's crazy because obviously, but it sounds like you've recovered. You've or do you feel you feeling good? Do you feel better than you felt before? Did you did you feel you know what I mean? Like sometimes you don't even notice you feel like crap, right? Yeah, I um, my deal was that uh, when we came back from Phoenix or from Scottsdale in twenty twenty. I just, uh, I have this workaholic thing going on and, uh, I didn't take a day off for two years and it, it caught me. And when they put me on the table, like I, my work weight was, yeah, 165, 170 and five, nine. And, uh, when they put me on the table as 145. So <laughs> I had, uh, I had lost all that weight from just going flat out and not eating. But anyway, that's. That's just life, and uh, it wasn't COVID-related. I Not COVID. That's good. That's good to hear. Well, I mean, it sounds like the picture I'm getting is that, uh, you, you know, I mean, you love this. This area sounds amazing, and you just love it so much. You kind of probably doesn't even feel like work to you, I'm guessing. Oh, exactly. And uh, it's such a, I don't know, such a magical place. You go in that lodge, uh huh, and just the laughter. I, I look around that room, and I'll, I'll see like seven, eight conversations going on and it's just all laugh, you know, it doesn't matter what the fishing was like. It's, uh, that's, we're so blessed to have these people 
come back year after year after year. You know, it's pretty special. And we've lost a lot. Yeah. Do you guys at the lodge, so a typical day would be get up early in the morning, grab your guide, get on the boat, um, or I guess probably get some breakfast, head on the boat. Are you guys out there typically all day long and then come back at the end of the day? That's right, yes. We'll uh, typically have breakfast at 7 uh, and then depart mm -hmm. at 8. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, we have everyone back uh, usually by 6 p.m., uh, dinner at 7, you know, a uh, happy hour and dinner. And people usually crash around 9 o'clock. But, uh, yeah, it's very cool. So, you know, again, again, back to the boat. So when you're fishing out there, um, I mean, is it pretty as simple as we've talked about? Literally, you get out there and you just swing in some flies, maybe an egg-sucking leech, and just whatever you catch, and you got a good chance to catch a bull trout? Or, or talk about that a little more on the fishing. Is there anything specific somebody would need to know before they, you know, headed up to your lodge to go fishing? Well, uh, July and August, uh, we're primarily, well, as well as June, it's uh, w with the still waters. But uh, we're probably 90% uh, dry. Oh, okay. And we're swinging... Uh, Large, large dries. We have, you know, great caddis, stonefly hatches, and uh, mayfly, and traveling sedge on on the lakes. And but uh, if someone wants to target the bulls, like we're, when we're on the rivers, uh, there are uh, there are some deeper pools and whatever, and uh, we'll you know head right for those. And we have somebody that wants to hook up with a bull. So yeah. I mean, for me, and everybody's got their own thing, but I would be coming up thinking, wow, it'd be cool to get a nice bull trout on, you know, swinging, right, with the spay or something like that. But then it'd also be cool to catch some big rainbows or eat some rainbows on the, you know, and all those fish on the surface, right? So you got, I mean, it's kind of hard, right? You, you, but it sounds like you probably, anytime you choose in the summer between, you know, May when you start and when you, and you wrap it up, right, and kind of October, that sort of thing. Yeah, mid, yeah. Yeah, mid October. Yeah. Mid October. Okay. So that seems to be the challenge. Yeah. Where do you, it seems like you can probably go any month there and probably be have a good time. Do you, do you find runs fluctuating at all? Do you ever find rivers blow out? Are there any issues there? Any of that stuff? Um, we have uh, one that's a little more sensitive to heat and, and you know, like in, in the spring, mainly June, where if you get a few days of rain, it can blow out. But we have four others that we can retreat to that never blow out. Yeah. They just never do. So. The CRC system from Trestle provides secure and convenient storage for your fully rigged fly rods with unsurpassed gear protection. Every CRC system comes with secure mounting clamps, padding in the reel compartment, and their proprietary suspended rod liners. Leave your gear on your vehicle full-time or quickly take the CRC system down and telescope it into carry mode in just a few minutes with the fastest and easiest to use mounting system on the market. From the very first time I connected with John, I knew this was going to be a great fit for the podcast. Uh, making it easier and faster to get on the water is a huge part uh, for me, especially in the ever-crazy and increasingly busy world. Not only are these rods secure for me and the family, but they are always rigged and ready to go. You cannot beat that. Equipped with their patented uh, protective no-snag reel-up design, this is not your average rod carrier. 
carrying your rods with reels facing up means more protection for your guides, blink, reel seat, and also allows for a better fit if you have a hatchback. Too much good stuff here for me to cover it all, so I'm going to have to send you over to uh, Trestle and check it out for yourself. You can go there right now. Just uh, take a look at wetflyswing.com slash Trestle, and you can get started right now. That's Trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E. You support this podcast by clicking over through that link to check out what John and the Trestle crew have going right now. Okay, back to the show. Well, what else do you, if somebody, you know, let's just say I'm, you know, planning to, we're coming up there, you know, next summer, we're thinking about these bull trout, maybe we're, you know, thinking coming in in September or something like that. What are you telling, you know, me and the other folks coming in before they get there? What's the, what's the checklist look like? Um, as far as, uh, prepping as what to bring or. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. If you're prepping, just say for the fishing stuff. So you got the rod. It sounds like you just bring six, seven, eight weight, something like that. Um, fly lines. I mean, is it just a, you know, just a dry fly thing or do you want to have some sinking lines out there? And then what if somebody did want to fish still water? It sounds like that's an opportunity. Could somebody say, Hey, I'm going to go for bull trout streams for four days and fish still water for two days. Could they do that? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, right until, uh, first week of July. And then the, uh, and then the small lakes, you know, they, they warm up. So the fish are going down and, uh, it's, uh, it's a little tougher fishing. So yeah, that's our still water program. Is, oh, yeah. gotcha. So that's an early, this, you need to get in there and fish them before they warm up because all the fish are either heading to the deeper part of the lakes or they're just going to the big lake and going deep. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're, I see. um, like Quinnell Lake here is, uh, there, there are places we can do and, uh, you know, go and fish tributaries, that type thing, uh, just at the, uh, at the deltas, but you know, for more action, there's a lot of traveling with that. And for more action, we just basically step out of our door and, uh, we can be on a river here in, in minutes. Gotcha. Uh, whether, you know, for a drift or, yeah. or a jet boat. So. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, it sounds pretty easy. It sounds like, um, it's almost almost too, I guess, you know, too good to be true, right? Because you got this, you fly into Williams Lake, you drive over an hour, and then you're into this remote area where it doesn't get a lot of public pressure because it takes a little bit of effort to get in there. You have this lodge, you've got still water, you got, you got kind of swinging for big bull trout, which again, you don't get bull trout everywhere. And then you got this great lodge, right? How many, the lodge itself, how many people can you guys handle in a, like a week? Well, when we, uh, we'll, we'll max at 12 guests, uh, we can accommodate, you know, probably, I don't know, there's probably 35 beds here, but when, when the fly fishing season's here, we just like, we like concentrating on just that. So, um, the whole property, uh, I think they're, uh, when we have, uh, um, just a group of guys or whatever we get them to stay in the lodge there are eight rooms in the lodge with uh, every two rooms share a bathroom shower and they're all private entrance uh to the to the rooms you know around the exterior of uh, the lodge and uh then we have five uh really nice cabins 
uh, a couple that are two-bedroom cabins. And then we also have uh, an 1,800-square-foot uh, waterfront home that if we get a, you know, a family or whatever, mm. uh, a group of four guys, it's a four-bedroom, two-bath, uh, beautiful place, like 20 feet from the water, mm-hmm. overlooking the water. And you can even go in front of the lodge at night, and, and there's fish rising there all the time, and nice fish. And if you wanted to, I think we have 10 or 12 uh, 8-foot pontoon boats as well mm, that we do the gotcha. small lakes with. Right. So that's it. You got it. Yep. You got those dialed in. Cool. So you can accommodate plenty of people. If somebody was listening here right now and they maybe aren't going to be able to get to your lodge, but they want to chase bull trout, any, any words of advice for them as far as, you know, in other areas, I'm not sure where bull trout are spread throughout BC. I'm guessing there's some other areas. Do you think bull trout fishing is unique to your rivers or do you think you can apply some of the tactics you use to other areas? Well, I I think, uh, yeah, I think bull trout are just a very aggressive fish, and uh, I think they'll they'll hit streamers anywhere. You know, the the spawning time late September here they they vary different rivers, but uh, uh, for this watershed it's uh, late September, and uh, they're a little more stubborn then, but uh, we we still we bother them a little bit. <laughs> not bother them, but uh, mm-hmm. if you put bounce that fly off their nose for a while, they 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 just want to get rid of even. But they'll come too. Yeah, so, <laughs> they can't help it, right? They can't, they can't help, help it. it. What's yeah. your what's your fly of choice? Do you have a do you have a fly or two that you, if we had to say like this is the fly we should be tying up for this trip? What would that be for bull trout? Um, those um, a chartreuse, uh, like a bunny leech. Uh, that, that's a great fly. Yeah. And also uh, uh, egg sucking leech. Uh, that's probably more middle of the month uh, for the bullies. Mm-hmm. And rainbows take those as well. But I, I like the egg sucking leech about a size four. Yeah. Okay. So the egg sucking leech. So you've got the you know, chartreuse bunny leech. And could you put, you're saying put a little, a little ball of, um, you know, pink or red on the end of that. Is that, would that be a good fly? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha. Perfect. Now I could see this being a cool, you know, I mean, we were just up steelhead fishing, you know, up at steelhead alley this last week and, uh, we were tying up, you know, tying some flies, but I'm sure all that stuff we were tying, we actually chartreuse and black was a great fly for steelhead this week. So I'm sure that would probably work. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 We were, uh, so cool. Well, that and then the gear wise again, these are huge fish. So you're probably just what putting on like as far as a leader. What what does that look like? Is that pretty pretty easy to put together? Um, like length and are you just doing one set like twenty pound tippet or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I think that's like I mentioned. They're not leader shy. These uh, like it's not likely these fish have been caught before. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, they're they're not. Uh, I mean, you can be standing right in the river there, and they're almost—they're <laughs> uh, almost at your feet. If you're not moving around, you, you'll see the guys right there, like four feet away. I—I uh, <laughs> I was doing a super guiding job on a river once. It's a glacial river, and uh, the family of four from Chicago—they've—they've they've been here almost half a dozen times. And uh, 
this young lady was, and they they were all excellent fishermen, uh, uh, mom and dad and a son and daughter. Uh, I think the the kids were like sixteen and eighteen, and uh, I'm <clears throat> rivers about eighty yards across, really fast flowing, but there was some you could see some uh, you know some pocket water that you could get into, and I'm getting her. Uh, I could see she was having a bit of trouble, and I I said just put it out there, and I'm pointing you know double haul it, get it out there. And so she's doing that. She picked up a couple of little rainbow and then she pointed down right in front of her with Mr. Super Guide beside her. And she goes, what are these? And there were four bull trout, about 24 inches, uh, about four feet in front of us. And I hmm. just grabbed her by the suspenders, walked her back, put a streamer on and, and uh, she caught all four. And she'd go, got one. Wow. <laughs> it was the coolest thing, but yeah. But I, uh, I kind of missed the boat there, not seeing these things. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, huh? So it's pretty easy to catch these. Good stuff. Does it feel like with the bull trout out there that it, it almost gets too easy? Like you can just you can catch them all day long, or is it? How's that look? Because I know there's some you know, like with coho sometimes, depending, right? I mean, you stripping coho is pretty easy to do. That's something that you know. Is it that simple, or, or actually, is it sometimes hard to catch the bull trout? No. Well, it's, yeah, it's a little tougher than that. I, yeah. You know, every once in a while you get into that, like the four that were there, that was just total fluke. But uh, in order to, you actually go out and you hunt. And that's the cool part about it is hunting them. Uh, we have one stretch of water. Uh, there's probably about 10 miles with, zero road access. I mean, you're just on the rocks and uh, work your way up. And this basically never, never gets fished. I used to, uh, uh, when I was falling trees, I, I heard the water down there and I have a spinning outfit. I'm talking, this is, uh, this is 50 years ago. And uh, I'd be over the bank. No one would have a clue where I was. And, uh, I would go down this river and there's so much water that like literally never gets fished. There's no access unless you want to hike. And I'd have, you know, probably a 12, 12, 15 bull trout day and, and come out about five miles down the downstream, walk back to my truck and the good old days. Yeah. And that was on, that was fishing spinners or what was that fishing? Yeah. That was, uh, yeah. With the crocodile uh -huh. as the old spinning outfit. Yeah. Gotcha. When did you remind me again, you might've said this to start, but when did the fly fishing, did you, were you doing that before the lodge or did that come after? You know, I, I wasn't, I, uh, I had a friend, uh, that, uh, would come out and visit. He, he and his family would come out and we lived right on the river. We had a beautiful home on the river. And uh, I watched him, you know, it, it had a fishing hole right in front of the house, we call it the honey hole. And uh, I'm watching him with a fly rod and I'm thinking, that's, that's really cool. And I think I may have tried it on the lawn and just, that was it. I was, I was too busy to really fish then. And uh, when we bought the lodge 
and then uh, got introduced to uh, Jim Cannon. And Jim Cannon came up, and I took him to this to my uh, my special river, <laughs> uh, and we're wading knee deep, and and I'm behind him, and it's kind of slow. This would have been in September, October, even. And um, I apologized for the fish to Jim, and I mean he he caught maybe three or four in about fifteen minutes, and I thought that was slow. And uh, Jim looked at me, and I'll never forget it. He looked over his shoulder at me. I was behind him with a water like this doesn't need fish. And and he meant it. I mean, it was just, he said, you, he said, you have no idea what you have here. Hmm. And, uh, and then that sunk in. Yeah. What are the, um, so is it forested? Is the whole area around you, is it just giant, giant uh, conifer trees? Or what, what does that look like? Yeah, the giant fir and cedar, and the further up the lake you go, it's, it's more cedar, hemlock, and and big fir, but uh, you know, like six foot diameter cedar, that type of thing. Oh it's wow, like six foot old growth. What was the what was the company, or were you working for a company back then when you were doing the logging, or were you on your own? Uh, no, it was for a company, and then uh, and then we went on our own. We had built my partner and I. Uh, uh, built a cedar mill uh, because they weren't utili utilizing the cedar here at that time. And uh, so we, we had some friends in the Forest Service because they were just mowing it down and burning it. And uh, so we latched onto that and we did that for about 10 years as well. Hmm. Why were they, why were they mowing it down and burning it? Uh, because they were, uh, it would come off their quota. Um, and these mills here, the larger mills had quotas. And uh, at that time, uh, the uh, the lumber mills that were uh, cutting the, you know, the softwoods, the uh, spruce pine fir, um, you couldn't really handle the cedar bark and the mess it makes and how, you know, it's just, there are production mills. So mm. uh, we, uh, we just, uh, we built a, a small mill. And uh, I think we had at one time about 50 employees. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, quite a few people. Yeah, yeah. Lots of people and uh, and uh, it was all community. And yeah, we had a really good crew. Huh. When did you transfer over from, <clears throat> when did you get out of the uh, the logging? Is it Was it when you, after you purchased the lodge? Uh, yeah, but stayed in it a little bit and... Uh, because we logged for years, I'd I'd get calls. All right, <laughs> uh, for logging contracts, that type of thing, and uh, so I I did take one on uh, up around Fort St. James, and uh, we were uh, again we got up to just our logging output. We had a about a fifty man crew up there. We were uh, logging. It was uh, when the beetle kill was oh, yeah. really heavy up there. Yeah. And we were doing, I think, around 60 loads a day and with, you know, bunchers, whatever. But it was uh, it was a nice pine, but it was all attacked. It was hit so mm. hard. Yeah. So it, it was uh, get it while before it goes bad. You have about a, uh, it was about a three-year window before, before it's not, you can't utilize it. Yeah, you can't use it at all. 
What's the, uh, are there still some old growth trees uh, around your area out there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, a lot of old growth here, yes. Yeah. Gotcha. What kept, I'm always interested in just, you know, because we have forests down here as well. What What's kept the, you know, from all that old growth being cut? You know, if it's, is it just, it's just, there's so much of it or, you know, because we have some areas down here where there's not even, you know, there's not really any old, it's all been cut, right? There's nothing left. Well, when uh, this lake was legislated as a wilderness lake, mm. uh, they did, uh, they did hold back and, oh, I would say about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, maybe, uh, they legislated another law that, uh, uh, any, there's no clear cuts, uh, to be visible from the lake. Mm. So, uh, you know, all the wood along the lake is, is old, old growth. Gotcha. Which is really cool to have that preserved. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lake buffer. So if you go outside in some of these areas outside of the, that area of, of visibility, you might see some, some clear cuts or whatever out there. Yeah. On the roads. Yeah on the logging roads uh yeah. yeah okay yeah that's good no i'm just trying to paint the picture trying to get a better feel because we yeah we did see some of those fire torn areas up there this year and it was oh definitely uh, yeah. amazing to see yeah i mean huge just i saw lots of lakes that were just there were no logs left all burnt it's pretty cool you guys made it made it out um well, Skeed, we're um, definitely, you know, as always here, um, there's always more to talk about, but, um, you know, I wanted to respect your time here. Um, get, before we start to think about taking it out of here, anything else you want to give a highlight on what you have going? I think we painted a pretty cool picture. It sounds like, you know, you're in one of those, you know, places that probably everybody wants to get to. Um, anything else we want to touch on today before we head out of here? No, I just, uh, what day you, I expect you to arrive. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> See now, now I like how you're talking. See, you're already, you, you had me at, uh, you had Comfort me at when the Stillwater, th yeah, when the Stillwater thing came in, I was like, I was like, all right, uh, this is too good to be true, like I said. But I don't, you know, the bull trout is amazing because you know it's hard to find bull trout in a lot of places around you know the country. The you know whether that probably I'm not even sure in BC you probably have a lot more, but not only that, you got lake trout, you got this big lake, you got all these forty other lakes and a cool lodge in the middle. So I, I, I'm sure there's going to be some people listening that are going to be hitting you up as well. Oh, it sounds um, good. You know, so, <laughs> but yeah, let's, uh, let's keep in touch on that and we'll get, we'll follow up with you too. You know, if we have more questions, I'm sure we'll get some people asking about it. I'll, I'll pick your brain. We might even, you know, to be able to bring one of your guides on if you want to dig more into specifically questions focused on, you know, but it sounds like, I mean, I guess looking at this, it's not, all that difficult somebody coming up here if they brought up a dry line for their rod would they be good to go up there for the most part oh yeah 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 and uh and then uh you don't want to be enough to go with you know if we're not uh on the lakes uh uh but a sink tip mm -hmm. uh just a sink tip and uh and on put her on a dry and on a dry line and uh you can tackle anything on the rivers perfect all right, Skeed, we'll, we'll uh, send everybody out to, that's uh, the Northern Lights Lodge. That's uh, nllodge.com. And if, if anybody has questions and, um, you know, and again, like you mentioned, there's a few people, even the Blue Cool Angler, I'm sure they could call Pat and uh, pick his brain as well. Pat's probably, what's his deal? Does he get dialed up? I'm sure he's probably all focused. Is he, is he on the, the dry flies? Is that what gets him fired up out there? Oh, he's, 
All of the above. Yeah, all everything. of the above. He's uh, he's been here on the September trips, and uh, he's he's caught some really nice bullies. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, I'll I'll send you. Uh, if you're just coming across that, I'll send you a picture of uh, Pat with a nice bowl. Oh, that'd be sweet. Yeah, yeah, do that. We'll we'll hook up. Um, yeah, I've got a. I'll have my uh, editor get some stuff as we get this going. This these will probably t- this will probably go live in January sometime. And yeah, we've got a pretty uh, decent size uh, listenership on the show. So I think I think definitely you're gonna hear from some people. But uh, yeah, let's let's leave it there for now, and uh, and I'll just check back with you. Um, and we'll, like I said, this episode will go out probably in about 30 days or so. And we'll, we'll keep you in the loop on that one as well. Okay. Thanks very much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Take care, bud. So there you are. All set for a trip up to Northern Canada. Setting the uh, setting the landing strip for you. Getting it ready to roll. Time to head up there and uh, give Skeet and the crew a, a heads up. If you want to get all the show notes from this episode, wetflyswing.com slash 397. 397 is where you can get all the information. We are getting closer to that 400. I want to give a quick listener shout out. Jeff Krajewski was the winner of the Zag.Fish giveaway we had going. Jeff is going to be getting a $100 gift certificate from Zag to get any of their fly time materials, any of the brushes, um, the uh, any of the fur they have going, all the fly fur. They got all sorts of cool products we've been talking about here. So Jeff, congrats. And you are also going to be getting a guide trip out to your home state of Connecticut. So stay tuned to that. And I think we're even going to get you on this podcast. So this is exciting. Stay tuned on these giveaways. We're doing these all the time, wetflyswing.com slash giveaway. And you can check out one right now. I think we actually have a new one that's just launched this week. And uh, and you can get a chance, I think, to win a fly rod and some other goodies. So check it out right now. We got them going on all year long. Like we said, we're going to be doubling down on some of our schools on some of the products and uh, and some of the conservation groups. This is all about supporting you as an angler and supporting our conservation groups to help keep things going strong out there. So I appreciate your support uh, for all this and excited to stay in touch with you. Like I said, episode 397 uh, is where this one's at and we are getting closer to 400. It's amazing to think 400 episodes is a lot and we've got a good surprise for you on 400, a pretty powerful episode that we're going to be digging into, um, and I'm excited to share that one as well. We'd love to catch with you online or on the water right now. You can send me a message, Dave at wetflyswing.com, if you have an idea for a, an episode. Or like Dave Snyder, he just sent me a message directly. A DM would be great on Instagram, anywhere out there. You can get a hold of me. Just ping me and say, hey, I would love to get this episode, this topic, and I will hook it up for you. And I will likely give you a shout-out on an upcoming episode, just like we did for Dave here today. Uh, so I appreciate that. And I would love, love to see you on the water. If you get a chance, we're definitely putting together these trips around the country. If you have an idea for a trip you'd like us to put together, um, I would love to do that. We've got our schools. You can check them out anytime. Um, and we're just doubling down on this. Uh, we're kind of taking it to the next step. You know, the podcast, obviously, we've been doing this for a while. And the next step, um, you know, we're going to be doubling down on the podcast is some of these trips. So I'm going to get out of here. I hope you are having a good morning. Good afternoon or good evening, wherever you are in the world. And I appreciate you and appreciate you supporting us and the community. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.